Thanks, Will. All right. Pepsi family, I just uh, want to take a few minutes before we start just to thank you uh, for just your incredible messages, your cards, your prayers, uh, you know, on the loss of my mom two months ago. And, uh, you know, the burial service for my mom was uh, where we laid her to rest uh, next to my dad in Fairfield, California. It was on Friday, January 19th, on my dad's birthday. It was a peaceful, uh, joyful, and magical in many ways uh, uh, because of your support of Debbie and I through this journey. Uh, it, I thought it was interesting that back in early January, uh, Richard had made an announcement about me being gone and had said something about me being in California. I was actually in Oregon. I was staying in my uh, son and daughter-in-law's guest room watching the service. I was up there for a board meeting, and it, it was the next or, uh, time I was flying out of town. But you guys aren't supposed to text in church, okay? Because... I got all, at, at about this time, I got, at the prayer time, I got all these texts, hey, praying for you, thinking of you, at both services, and I'm thinking, wait, it's not till next week, but you know what, I, I realized I'm part of a community that really loves and cares uh, for Deb and I, and it's, it's just so special to be a part of that. I want to share a couple of pictures that you can see, see we supported uh, my mom's uh, background is from being from Scotland, so we broke out the kilts. Uh, you know, the bagpiper was there. We sang Amazing Grace, and then we, he played some stanzas of that. It was, it was a special time as we got together and just remembered my mom in her journey. And you'll notice the Bible that I have in my hand there is a Bible that uh, Deb and I gave to her back in 1995. And when uh, at the front of that, I wrote, I remember, Mom, that 1978, you wrote a message to us that you gave your life to Jesus. And because of that, I have the hope that I'll see you and I'll spend eternity with you. And so just being able to read that to the family as we shared around uh, the graveside was, was a glorious time. But I want to tell you, church family, thank you for being the church, for being caring and being supportive because we don't navigate these times very well alone. We need one another. And that's what the church is to be, a caring community. And, and as we enter into each other's lives, and I know just... For Deb and I, you know, Deb lost her mom last year. I lost my mom. It was a tender time. But we had this church family to kind of uphold us, so thank you. You know, we continue uh, in this series in the Minor Prophets titled Ruined to Restoration. And I believe many of us are feeling the relevance of these messages um, of old to God's chosen people because of the situations that we find ourselves in or have been in the past. It's, it's interesting as you prepare for a text and the weeks prior to it, I've spoke with many of you this week, um, you know, and, and you're feeling some real serious disruptions in your life, things that are happening. There's like all of a sudden, wait a minute, life is hard. Life is, is, is difficult. Um, and what's going on in our present lives may be daunting. It may be heartbreaking. It may be overwhelming or unbelievable. We may find ourselves in a place of devastation and discouragement. Um, if you're not, be thankful, but look at the people in front of you or behind you or to the right or left, and there's a good chance that they are, and we need one another, and we need to pray for one another in times like this, because that's what it's all about. 
we as, uh, as the people of God that Micah was speaking about over a thousand years ago, it's true today, that hope is coming. And it came then and it will come again. Restoration is possible in Christ and in Christ alone. Let me pray. Father, prepare us today to hear your word. As we hear the words of this prophet, um, you know that thousands of years ago, yet the message is true for us this very day. Yes, we're a people who wander. We're a people who stray and need to be called back. Hopefully not in the same degree as the children of Israel at that time, but yes, many of us do. And so, Lord, I pray you would do that, and that we would listen to your voice, that we would experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. We would experience the love that is steadfast in, for us always and for the hope that we have in you. Go before us and with us and speak to us this morning as you have spoken to me. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said. Amen, amen. amen. You know, so today we're studying uh, the book of Micah, seven chapters about a little-known prophet from the countryside and a, con- a contemporary of Isaiah and, and Hosea. He prophesied during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in and around 700 B.C. Jotham and Hezekiah were kings that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, where Ahaz did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Micah is a country prophet, whereas Isaiah dealt with the political life of the city. Micah alternates between prophetic messages of doom and prophecies of hope. The overall theme of Micah is judgment and deliverance. And there's three main cycles through these seven chapters, and we'll touch on those briefly, but know that it's kind of this going back and forth of there's a hope laced in because of the God that loves and serves us. Micah stresses that God hates idolatry, injustice, and rebellion, but delights in pardoning the penitent, those who repent and turn from their wicked ways. Last week, Doug shared um, with us lessons out of the book of Jonah, one of the most well-known minor prophets. Uh, This morning, I'll be referencing one of the most recognized verses from the minor prophets uh, that we did with the children recorded in Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, I love the home that uh, God has given Deb and I that we've lived in for the last 30 years. Um, and it's, it's a refuge uh, for us and for our family and for our guests. Um, and uh, a few years ago, uh, we hung these words, and my wife has created that just with the gifts that God's given her. I help her put up the, the pictures where she tells me to put them, right, and all that kind of thing. But we hung these on, in our living room, the words that you saw uh, of the plaque that the kids were holding on to at the children's sermon. And it says that, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. So right at the bottom of the stairs, I look over by our clock, and I see that many times a day. It's a reminder that I need to kind of focus my thoughts on what God has, not what I have. It kind of aligns me, and some days I have to stop and confess that I've kind of got off course. But it's a good reminder. And for us to understand that mandate in chapter 6, we need to understand, you know, the overview uh, of the ruin facing the uh, people of God, both in Samaria, the capital of Israel, and Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. 
Micah, whose name means who is like Yahweh or who is like God, was to challenge the false prophets, the corrupt leaders and sinners. And so um, I'm just uh, going to show you a clip from the Bible Project. This is a few 40 seconds long. It kind of gives you an oversight of, of just uh, where this takes place and when it takes place. Uh, so take a look at this. The book of the prophet Micah. Micah lived in a small town named Moreshet in the southern kingdom of Judah, about the same time as Isaiah. And both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel had split long ago, and both had been violating their covenant with the God of Israel. So Micah warned that God would bring the big bad empire of Assyria to take out the northern kingdom and come ravage Jerusalem. And he also warned that after them, Babylon would bring an even greater destruction. Like all the prophets, Micah spoke on God's behalf to accuse Israel, or as he puts it in chapter 3, I am filled with strength, with the Spirit of God, with justice and power to declare how Israel has rebelled. You know, I'm going to share a few scriptures with you and kind of do this broad overview, but I, in the first service, when I preached on this, uh, one of our good friends, Robbie Sherry, said, hey, you, you didn't share my life verse. Uh, chapter 1 verse 16 that says this make yourselves bald and cut off your hair for the children of your delight make yourselves as bald as an eagle for they shall go from you into exile I guess I should claim that verse as well right but um, it, it didn't really hit on my my range but thank you Robbie for reminding us of that but um, there's these three cycles we talked about in the um, the, the first three chapters refer to the Lord's denunciation of Israel and Judah's sins, their corrupt leaders and the impending doom of these nations and their capitals at the hands of the Assyrians and, the Bab- and then the Babylonians. His warnings of destruction and ruin are directed to leaders through their theft and greed at the mercy of the poor and to the corruption of the prophets benefit their own purposes. It begins in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Matt alluded to the first couple of verses uh, earlier. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Morathath in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw coming uh, concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear you peoples, all of you, pay attention. O earth and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place, and he will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgressions of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgressions of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap in the open country, a place for planting vineyards, and I will pour down her stones into the valley and uncover her foundations. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her wages shall be burned with fire, and all her idols I will lay uh, waste. For from the fee a prostitute she gathered them, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. The words continue to go on. They're hard, hard direct words to the people who have rebelled and the people who have, have in, in their, their words of judgment. I don't know if you know anybody who has the gift of prophecy, but um, if you 
listen to them, they're usually not folks who are well-received. They're usually, they, they just don't mesh words. They just, they, they speak the truth, and they speak it not oftentimes in love, just direct. And they speak that, and that's the truth of, of, of the prophet. We know that, you know, Micah wasn't running for mayor or governor. He was, uh, he was probably somebody that, you know, they didn't really want to hear from. He was the person that was saying the truth, and, and people were going away. It says in Micah 3.8 about him, it says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. And so, um, you know, I, I, if you've, uh, sometimes we have friends who have come to us and say, Hey, I, I really need to speak truth to you. And you're going, Uh-oh, man, I don't know if this is good. But we know that it's done with a purpose to redeem us and bring us back to the place that we need to be at. In chapter uh, 4 and 5, it really talks, goes from judgment to hope. And the hope is, during all the warnings and destruction, come words of hope as he shares these poems illuminating God's plans to redeem a remnant of those who are faithful. The faithfulness of God's covenant given thousands of years earlier to Abraham and Jacob comes through his words in Micah 4, 6, and 7. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. In the midst of all this, God's going to use a faithful remnant, those who are entrusted in leaning on him to restore which is going to be ruined. The city of Jerusalem will be destroyed, and we know that later on it did happen. But there's an, an, it, a new Jerusalem that's going to come, and it'll be, it will be restored, and it's something that we'll look forward to. God will use the faithful remnant to restore the holy city of Jerusalem forevermore, a prophecy of hope and restoration, which takes us into this beautiful messianic prophecy over 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. Much like how God used Isaiah to prophesy about our Redeemer, Savior, and Lord. So take a look at this scripture in Micah 5, 1 through 5. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them until the time when she, who is in labor, has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. We need to understand that, <coughs> excuse me, in the Old Testament, it's always pointing to Jesus. It's always pointing to the hope that we have in him. And that's what it's all about, is, is here it is 700 years before Christ, and we're hearing about he's going to come and be the one with peace. Later, the words of Micah were spoken by the Magi, the wise men from the east, when they came two years after Jesus' birth and were looking 
or speaking to Herod about finding the birthplace of Jesus the Christ. Matthew 2, it says this. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You see, it's all tied together. It's wove together. The old and new, the, the story that we need to hear today is the same story that the people of God needed to hear um, thousands of years ago. As we walk through these Old Testament prophets, we see the foreshadowing of Jesus being our hope and restoration in some very dark times. It, kind of moves us, it now moves us into the last two chapters, and it reveals now the indictment and hope. The words of Micah continue to point to the evils of the people of Israel, indicting them as in a courtroom for their destructive actions. So think about that if you've ever been in a courtroom and you're listening to the lawyers or how they indict the person who is guilty. Micah 6, 1 through 3 says this, Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear your mountains, or hear you mountains in it, the indictment of the Lord, and you endearing foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. Can you hear the Lord just saying that? Just, what have I done? I've delivered you from exile i've i've been there i've i've provided for you what have i done answer me listen to what i have to say it leads us to the only hope amid the judgment of a holy and just god that deserves destruction we do micah says it's not the abundance of our offerings it is the words and here's where micah 6 8 comes in it's not about all the, the amount of offerings and burnt offerings and giving this and that, this is what you need to be about. He told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. But as what happens, people turn back and they continue on their path to destruction. And it comes to this beautiful doxology in the last three verses of of the of the book of Micah it says this again let me read it to you who is a god like you pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of of his inheritance he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love he will again have compassion on us he will trend out our iniquities underfoot you will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. The realities of this, my friends, is God loves you and I so much. And he'll continue to restore us even though we go off this wayward path. Don't we go off and we come back? And we go off and we come back. But God is steady he is there. His character, his promises are as real today as they were to his people when Micah spoke to him and when the minor prophets were speaking about the judgment of God. You know that in, in uh, verse 18, it's, we understand that 
He is a God of forgiving love. Guess what? There's nothing that you can do that he doesn't forgive if we're willing to surrender and repent of that sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The same yesterday and today. You know, I was, I was uh, a week ago Saturday, I was, I was shoveling snow in my driveway and my walkways, and we were all out there doing it. It was heavy snow, and I, was, I had my ear pods in, and I was listening to some worship music, and the song that Katie and Matt uh, just sang for us came across. And I thought, I have a rebel heart. I really do. I have a heart that just kind of tests the waters, don't you? A time that I need to go, man, Lord, what, what am I thinking? Why do, I, why do I press into that place? You have, you have been so faithful to me in my over 40 years or 50 years of walking alongside you. You have always been faithful, but I have not. Those lyrics that we sang, one of the stanzas says this, Father, I no longer want to run. You've broken my resistance with your love and drowned it underneath the crimson spill, so bend this rebel heart into your will. My hope is that you will make that your prayer today and, and, and realize, okay, I need to let go. I need to turn it over. I can't continue to do this. It's, it's tearing me up. It's hindering my relationship with God. I need to surrender to him. It's the only way towards restoration is a right and repentant heart before a holy, just, and faithful God who has redeemed us with the life, death, resurrection of his one and only son Jesus the Christ that's why we talk about him all the time here you know you're going to hear about Jesus because he is our hope he is our salvation in chapter in, in verse 19 it says he is a God of redeeming power he gives us everything we need to make the right decisions you know, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. He gives us all that we need to do that. that. He's just a faithful God, and we need to continue to lean into his faithfulness. And that's the next, in, in verse 20, he's a God of perpetual faithfulness. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be there for you. In those years that I've walked with him, he is always faithful, and I at times have been faithless, but he always welcomes me back. And I hope you hear that message loud and true, that the truth is this, that Micah and Jesus are all about ruin to restoration. They're all about judgment to deliverance. They're all about dogs barking. <laughs> They're always about despair to hope. And so I just, you know, encourage you just to realize no matter where you're at, he's with you. He's for you. You know, last night uh, we had this special time with our eight-year-old granddaughter and her friends as we had a birthday party at a, at a hotel with a pool. It got really loud, didn't it, honey? Whew, until they ate pizza. Then it got quiet. Then it got loud again. And then we had all kinds of just fun times. And right towards the end of the evening, uh, I got a message from a mom. And she basically reached out. And I knew her through my son who taught her son and, uh, and coached 
him. And she said, uh, can you please help? We're desperate. Or, you know, you probably know the story that my, as we prayed for PJ, that PJ's fiance, he found her face down. She had died from a brain aneurysm. It, there's, there's really no words when you hear of something so drastic and so tragic, right? But we have a God of hope. She says, can you meet with my son? We can't get in. And I said, yeah. Let me know and we'll meet tomorrow sometime. Pray tomorrow as I meet with PJ. I don't have words, but I, we have a God of hope. We have a God who will restore. We have a God who will engage and lean in. And I don't care where you're at. Know that he loves you. And he wants to walk with you down these, you know, these, these valleys of death. These valleys that are dark. That sometimes you feel like, man, I don't know where to go. Go to him. Get on your knees and go to him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you realizing that uh, you are faithful. You are a loving God, and as Micah just points to us, you know, of just the depravity that goes and in, in how far we've gotten away from you, yet you keep calling us back to yourself and how you take that faithful remnant and you do an amazing things. And we're, we're your church. We're this remnant of wanting to be a light in a dark world. So, Lord, I pray that you would restore us and give us the hope in our daily lives as individuals, as a church, as a community, as a nation. May we see your light in the midst of all the things going on. We pray for those who are going through difficult times, whether it's the Osmus family, and we can go on and on. There's many, just the people I've met with this week to say, you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and you are with us, and you love us. Thanks be to God. Amen.